Let me tell you a little story. It was July 1993, and we were in Westcliff, Colorado, uh, conducting summer camps for Wilderness Encounter Programs, our ministry. And we had a group of about 30 from a, a church youth group coming to rent our facility for the week. And it was a regional youth camp from a church called the Church of the Southwest. And I was in charge of providing meals, and Ron would be gone for the week. So the meals were planned and shopping was done. As Ron was about to leave Sunday afternoon, they were coming Sunday night, he said, by the way, we've just been informed that there are six to 10 vegetarians coming. Hope this doesn't cause too much trouble. Great, Sloppy Joe's are our first meal tonight. Thankfully we have salad. He also said, I don't think this is your typical church youth group. Great. Our senior staff are on a 21-day backpacking trip in the wilderness of Sanger de Cristo Mountains, and basically all that was left were women and children. So Lord help us. I have no idea what he means, but something was coming. Well, Ron left, and they came, and we welcomed them, and we fed them, and during that week, we watched as they tried to find God by staring into a candle for an hour, by spending an afternoon with a Native American medicine man chanting to get in tune with the great father and mother earth. They made masks, put them on themselves, and then spent time meditating upon the God being created in each of them. And we listened to this junk that was being taught and we prayed for spiritual protection for our kids and then guidance, how to love this group well. Sadly, most of them uh, were females, and the, the children and the counselors. That week we served prisoners, people who had been taken captive by strongholds. And they had been taken captive by the philosophy that God is an impersonal energy field. He was a God force that you connected with, and each person could determine what was good or bad in their lives. And salvation comes through uniting your personal spiritual energy with the other God energy of the universe. And as I listened to them coming through the line, as they were talking about things, I realized that many of them had been raised in mainline churches. But they were legalistic churches, and that left them wanting. And they rejected whatever they had been taught as being insufficient to meet their needs. And it was a very sad time. Uh, I was so glad when Ron got back. And, you know, but it was a sad time, and I never have forgotten that group. That's what we're going to talk about today is that whole stronghold thing. So if you turn to page 113, somebody read 2 Corinthians 10, 1 through 6. Okay, that first question I asked in question five is not very good. It was very unclear. So basically what I wanted you to look at, how has Paul been described? He says, I, Paul, who am, and he basically was using the words they have used to describe him. How is he being described in verse one? Me, or timid when face to face, but bold when away. I cannot picture Paul being timid at all. <laughs> um, some people, it says, think that we are what? So what do they think about them? That we live what? By the what? 
By the world's standards. Did you have any other translations of that one? Walking according to the flesh. That's actually the literal translation. It means sensuous human nature, mere humans. Though we live in the world as mere humans, we do not do what? Verse 3. Wage war as the world does, okay? Our weapons are not what? Weapons of the world or the flesh, but they have divine power to demolish strongholds, okay? But we are to demolish what? Arguments, pretensions, that set, lofty opinions, that set itself against the knowledge of God. Okay, we are to take captive what? Every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And then he says what he will be ready to do. Punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. That was a really, I put a big huh with a question mark behind that one. So anyway, he starts off this section by saying that he was doing like Christ was doing. He, he was using humility and gentleness in his approach to the Corinthians. And I, I, we're going to skip this question, but I asked you to look back and see all the different ways that he had treated the Corinthians this way. And hopefully you were able to see that truly he had acted with humility and gentleness for them. And if you look at that, focus on the meaning, the bottom Humility recognizes God as one's authority and takes a servant attitude towards people. So it's like, I am God, he is God and I am not. <laughs> and gentleness refers to strength under control and is expressed through fairness and graciousness to others. Okay, so he was using those as characteristics of Christ that he was imitating. So let's move on to page 115. Talk about this whole war we're waging and the strongholds. Since the fall of man in the garden, there's been a spiritual war raging in our world concerning God's truth versus lies being disseminated by human reasoning and demonic influence. Okay, that's that war. One leads to overflowing joy and dependent living. That's the truth of God. The other one leads to self-dependence and rebellion against God, okay? So that's the war. Here we are at truth number one. We have God's power to fight the war effectively. Now, the context is in the church. I mean, we still have the same power is outside in the world, but we're going to kind of focus on things that infiltrate believers' minds in the church. So what are we fighting against? You look, I asked you to look back in different parts of 2 Corinthians. So what are some of the things that we're fighting against? Satan's schemes to do what? To catch us sleeping or outwit us. Yeah. Okay, what else are we fighting against? The blindness. Yes, the blindness of the unbelievers. What else are we fighting against? Spiritual forces of evil. Yes. Anything else? Spirit at work in the disobedient. Um, and if you look at 1 John 2.16, which I'll add to this, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. That's part of that spiritual world. 1 John 2.16. So what weapons should we not use in this kind of warfare? Worldly weapons, which are what? Let's be specific about some of the things that Paul has already told us about. Deception. What else? Distorting the word of God. What else? Manipulation. Manipulation. Secrets. 
secret and shameful ways. Yes. What else? How about treating people according to your own eyes and not God's eyes? That was in chapter 5. And what about the um, unequal yoking? Kind of joining their side in that way. Okay, so what weapons are effective? What things are effective that we have learned already? <clears throat> truth. Yes, truth. What else? The Word of God. The Word of God, yes. Patience. Sincere love, yes. The Holy Spirit. What else? Purity. Purity. Mm-hmm. Righteousness. Understanding. The power of God. Jesus Christ is Lord, definitely. Kindness. Kindness. Yes. And conducting oneself with holiness and genuineness, right? Okay, all of those things. Now, let's go to uh, the second truth. Truth number two. We have God's power to demolish strongholds. Okay? So, I asked you to define strongholds. What is a stronghold? A spiritual battle... A fortified place. What comes to your mind when you think of a stronghold? Like a fort. A fort or a castle. Yeah, I think of a castle. Any other definitions that you came up with? A place where a particular cause or belief is strongly defended. Yes, that describes a stronghold. What strongholds need to be demolished? You have arguments. Pretensions are, uh, one of the translations said what? Lofty opinions. Yeah. Raised against the knowledge of God. So is this a good castle or a bad castle? Bad castle. This is not a good castle. The King James Version also uses the word imaginations. So things that, human reasonings. Yeah. With a purpose to intimidate. Yeah. So basically anything that takes captive the minds of believers. Um, away from God and God dependence would be in this area. So give some examples of strongholds that affect believers. Generational sin, okay. Fear, definitely could be a stronghold, right? Anger, gossip, the prosperity gospel, self-righteousness, unforgiveness, yeah. Definitely, that can be pride. There you go, yeah. So believers can be captured inside a stronghold. Maybe not, may not look the same as out in the world, but it can affect us, can't it? Okay. How do you demolish strongholds? This is an extra question. Lanyap, we'd say in Louisiana. (laughs) Extra question. How do you demolish strongholds? What do you need to demolish a stronghold? Faith, power. You need force, right? Something powerful to demolish a stronghold. So definitely the word of God, that would be truth. And then who is our source of power? Holy Spirit. Spirit. So you have consistently applying truth from the word of God plus the Holy Spirit power, right? To demolish a stronghold. And then once you have kind of broken down the walls to complete tearing down those walls, what comes next? In verse 5. Yes. And by the way, that's a continuous, ongoing action. Because it isn't likely it's going to be a one-time thing. You wake up the next day and you've got to battle it again sometimes. It takes, it takes time to redevelop those 
neural pathways, uh, to retrain your brain to think and to put that scripture in your mind and allow that to work. So if you look at the top of page 116, uh, what we do each week when we evaluate those sayings, that's one of the things we're doing. We are taking those thoughts captive. We're demolishing strongholds and taking those thoughts captive. We do it by t- comparing it to scripture, right? And uh, if it's not true, we don't follow it. If it's true, we keep it and apply it. That's kind of how you do things like that. Satan's strategy uses speculations and theories and incorrect information that contradicts God's revealed truth also. So one of the things that we as believers need to do is beware of speculation. For example, if you run across a verse you can't understand, and it's not seemed to be explainable by going to the Greek, or you read commentaries and there's like a million different translation, uh, versions of it or uh, ideas of what it could be, it's best to say, you know, we don't know, God has left this as a mystery, than it is to speculate what it could be and be wrong and then have that kind of cemented into your brain. So um, I try to avoid speculation in our classes. If there's something we don't understand, we, we look at what we can understand, what is revealed, and then we try not to get stuck on something that we make up, speculating, all right? Look at the next bullet point, the second one. Strongholds are not just thoughts, but can be associated with people who have influence over you. We kind of talked about this a couple weeks ago, too. What should you also do if a stronghold is associated with a person? Don't spend so much time with them. Break apart from the yoke. Yeah, break apart from the yoke. Good for you, Sarah. What else? Set boundaries. Set boundaries. Stop reading their books. Stop reading their blogs. You know, unfollow them on Facebook. If, I mean, if it's really something that, offend, that affects you, those kind of things. Uh, there's two really interesting verses. Psalm 40, verse 4. It says, Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to lies. So thinking in terms of not associating you with people who are, are lies. But I, I really love 1 Corinthians 15, 33. I discovered this about 30-something years ago. Bad company corrupts good character. I mean, it's short. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Bad company corrupts good character. Have you seen this? If you have children or you've taught children, been around children, have you seen this? the influence that they could have on on each other. It is a true statement. So you have to separate yourself from them. And I think that's where verse 6 comes from. The Corinthians needed to make a clean break from those false teachers that were leading them astray. They needed to be on board with Paul to stand with him in disciplining those opponents. And I think that's what the, your obedience is complete. I think he was retalking to the Corinthians that were on board with him, that had responded to him and, and were in agreement with him. So when he came to visit, he wouldn't be disciplining them. He might be facing down the opponents. Does that make sense if you think about it? 
Because that's what he was asking for them, their complete obedience. But then later on, as we get to the next section, he talks about being bold with those opponents. So I think that's where we can, can see where he's going with that statement right there. So if you have strongholds, if you just determine that you recognize some strongholds in your life that are not godly, so what do you need to do to demolish them and replace them? First of all, you have to identify them. Then you give them to the Lord, right? And ask him to help you knock them down. See, you get to fight. So Lord, help me to knock those down. And then destroy the stronghold by consistently applying the truth. That's what we do. Those three things. 